Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. We all have stories to tell, and that's what this show is all about. When we tell our stories, we pass along our wisdom, we give each other a roadmap, a new way to see things. And before you know it, we are empowered to say, if she can do it, I can do it. Life has not always been kind to this week's guest. In fact, she has known the deep grief of losing her baby girl at only 13 months old, an experience she says broke her wide open. And yet she has embraced life in the most positive way and is passing along her wisdom to others. She's a powerful international intuitive coach, a speaker and author who helps her clients find their purpose. Her website, if you want to check it out, is coachmemaria.com. A wife and mother of five, she has found her own calling in the world of energy as a Reiki master teacher, an expert in LLP EFT, chakra balancing and full spectrum healing. A former guest on The Oprah Show, this exceptional woman is the author of the best-selling book, Finally Full of Yourself, Unlocking Your Spiritual DNA. And here's my favorite part. She has been described as a passionate tsunami of love. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see. Please welcome Maria Salomo Schmidt. Welcome to the show. Hello, beautiful candy. That was a mouthful to say. <laughs> I love hearing it, though. Thank you so much. How are you today? <laughs> I am feeling really, really full of myself, if I may say so. <laughs> the last few shows I have done have mm. profiled women who have lost their children. Mm. Can you tell us about your baby girl, Sophia? Absolutely. So Sophia was born with Down syndrome 12 years after her passing. She's more of a teacher than my daughter right now, because when you lose a child, especially a baby, I'd never experienced that or thought, obviously most people don't, but it, it was a surprise. And so what it does is it either breaks you or it breaks you wide open. First, I didn't want to be here anymore. Ultimately, I thought, how do I honor her? How do I love her in the form that she's in right now? I just decided to take it as a gift. That's how I got on the Oprah Winfrey show, like in this whirlwind of pain and shock and awe. It's almost like in those Star Trek episodes when they're going into virtual reality and all of a sudden they turn it off and the blue screen comes. It almost felt like everything I had been taught just disappeared and this blue screen came because children can die on this planet. How can I hold a dead baby in my hands? It's really nonsensical. I went insane that day in a way, like it just blows your mind. Coming back from that, you really grab onto anything. A very wise priest once told me, our depth of our grief is measured by the depth of our love. Mm. In the days and the weeks after Sophia's death, how did you cope then? And where did you find your courage? The will to live without her. To me, it was like the marathon of my heart. I've never run a marathon, but when you imagine it, it's I've run races where you get to a certain point and you just don't think you can go on any further and something clicks and you just hold on. You just hold on to one more step, one more step. And and something shows up and then angels show up and then you're the angel for other people and it just becomes this big yummy thing. And then all of a sudden you've created this movement in the name of this little girl who, um, who I had the honor of being her mom. You are a Boston College graduate with a master's from Simmons. You had made your career in the corporate world mm. at that point. But with this shift, <laughs> with this breaking wide open of your heart... 
Yeah. Was it like a fork in the road? Mm-hmm. It really was. It's kind of like you once you grow out of something, you could try to squish yourself back in, but it doesn't fit. There comes a point where uh, what I call the herd operating system, where the, the formula that you follow is like the good girl formula of get a good education, to get a good job, to find a mate, to buy a house, yada, yada, yada. I just couldn't fake it anymore. I, that was not authentic. My love for her, my connection to her was so strong. Being ostracized or any of that didn't matter. It just that connection and then following my intuition, getting into energy medicine. That's what I followed. You know, that's so interesting because I was just about to ask you, do you Mm. believe in intuition, that Mm. little voice inside your head? That's all I believe in. We either make other people our intuition, their voices our intuition, or we listen to our heart. Wherever it's coming from, source energy, God, Allah, Buddha, you listen to it. At the beginning, grief is really, really hard because you're in so much pain. It's it's like a loud drum of pain. And when you move it along, move it along, almost like the more you can meditate and listen to your own breath, your own heart, you start hearing your intuition more and more. You are an intuitive life coach. Mm -hmm. How do you help your clients find their purpose? I'm a really, really good listener. To be a good life coach, it's not a formula. Like we're used to having a formula, a specific cutout. And it's not. It really is listening to where people are at, asking the right questions, because a lot of people are following the wrong question. They've asked the wrong question and they're pursuing that. Their life is about the wrong question. So if I had one bit of advice for people is like, go back to the question Why are you here? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? What's calling you? And going from that point, because a lot of people would go, oh, yeah, I don't want to be this or that. I wanted it to be that. And sometimes it's really simple things like I wanted to be a truck driver or I wanted to be like, I wanted to be a good cook or and follow that. It's so delightful to see people going from the should and the have to into the flow of their life and how it affects others around them. It's amazing. It's literally watching a miracle bloom. It's fantastic. Isn't it amazing how we can give up on ourselves Mm. and what we really want because society tells us? Exactly. Or someone whom we love says, no, no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And then we spend the whole rest of our lives Mm With a little piece missing, don't we? Yeah, out of alignment. We all have chapters in our lives. Do you believe this? Absolutely. Chapters are really how you can segment your life so that you can make sense of it. Life is really, really challenging. If if you think about everything that you have to do in a day just to exist, from laundry to brushing your teeth (laughs) through like all of these things, paying your taxes, there are all of these things that we have to do. And then on top of that, to compartmentalize and saying this chapter, this segment of my life, it really helps us move things around and be able to describe and deconstruct. I'm a big proponent in deconstructing our lives. I grew up in a super abusive home and I like to deconstruct that part. I get that that was my weight set. I'm super grateful for it because I'm alive. I did not die in it. When I access those memories, it's I don't play it in like a loop like a lot of people do. It's not my self-worth. It is literally a treasure trove of knowledge and wisdom that I can access. Like I've done a lot of work with at-risk youth. And when I can access that, they know that I'm speaking from my heart because I know what it's like to live like that, to fear. Can you tell us a little bit about that time in your life? 
My dad grew up basically in a hardcore orphanage slash military school. And from the time he was six till, till the time he was 18, he never knew what it was like to be in a family. He never had modeling. He never had anything. So he loved us savagely is the best way I can describe it because my dad tried to kill me twice. It was a really savage thing. And at the time I was like shocked and, and I thought about it. Last year I had breast cancer and that kind of brought me closer to my dad. I really learned so much about him. And had I said, yeah, kill him, kill the pain, kill the whatever it is, I wouldn't have learned so much about myself in such a deep way. Sometimes we, in our society, we try to numb the pain and get rid of the pain. But sometimes when you go into the pain, when you ask and say, what is this about? You learn so much more about your life. And this is the time, people. This is that we're at a critical time to be alive. Tell me about becoming a Reiki master. I have so much respect for mm. this. Describe this kind of healing. And is it true that we have bad energy sometimes that can kind of get stuck inside us? Reiki master teacher I got in conjunction with going to energy healing school. So those were the two modalities and it all lands in the same thing. So when I held Sophia and it was just her physical, what I call meat body, just her body, it felt absolutely different. And you'll find that a lot of people who've been around people who've passed in front of them, it's like they're not there anymore. Like people feel different, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that we have two bodies. We have a physical meat body and we have an energy body. What does energy like to do? It likes to move and it likes to expand. I don't believe in bad energy. There's just stagnation or flow, stagnation or, or flow. Does that come from old pain too? So how you do energy work is imagination, focus, and noticing. When we have bad memories like or icky memories, like I said, of my childhood, if I just looped it and looped it and looped it, that helps me create the vibration of my life. It's like when we have a bad day, you know, in the morning, you start off in a certain way and you label it like, oh, it's going to be a crappy day. And then it continues, right? Because you looped it. You keep focusing on it. Right? So it's imagination, focus and noticing. So then you notice where this went wrong and this went wrong. And then you lower yourself to that vibration. Yes. And you have friends like that that help you lower you to that vibration. <laughs> you have family members, that, but you also have friends and family members that do the opposite. That every time you're around them, you just like get you just smile and you like you you unbend and go, yes, it's Candy. Hi, Candy. Thanks for calling me. <laughs> your book focuses on dramatically shifting your life. It's mm. called Finally Full of Yourself, yes. which is a great title. Unlocking your spiritual DNA. Tell us about the book. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. These days, more and more people are working from home. When your computer breaks down, you lose business. This is Dave Elmasian, president of TechHelpBoston.com. Our tech experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer. Same day, next day, and weekends too. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted us since 2000. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. That title, it had like 16 titles. It took me 10 years to write that book. And I burned it three times. I took a sabbatical in Portugal with my daughters and lived there for a year. And it was just the kind of thing where you have to trust. Like you said, that flow, that voice, it was not the right book. When I originally wrote it, it was completely different. I wanted that authenticity the, to write a book with Sophia in mind and have her kind of give me like little tips, right? In that, the title came from, if you're not full of yourself, because we get offended if someone says, you're so full of yourself, Candy. They're like, oh. She's so rude. Uh, but it's like, if you're not full of candy, what are you full of? If you're not full of you, what are you full of? Right? You want to be authentically you, but we've been trained not, not to, be. to be. And yeah. it's the finally full of yourself. Finally, I get to be me. 
finally I get to listen to my intuition. You know, you shared with us earlier that that uh, you are a breast cancer survivor, mm-hmm. which makes me very happy to hear. <laughs> Tell me about that journey. Yes. What did you learn along the way? I don't know if I can say this word, but death by tit was not how I was going to go out. It was not. When I found out, a dear friend of mine from Boston College has colon cancer. She said, please go get checked out. And I did for the first time. Afterwards, I said, oh, I'll get a mammogram. Dang, nabbit, didn't they find something? So if I'm really an energy healer, then okay. So you're an energy healer, Maria. Do your stuff. Of course, there's the grieving part where you're you're fearful and everything. But my daughter, Mia, whom you've met, and my husband really, really freaked out. They really were scared that the whole, like, you're going to die, you're going to die. Balancing that was harder than what was actually happening. I went to an Ayurvedic doctor. I got two lumpectomies. I refused any other kind of treatment because I I checked in with myself at the beginning and I asked, what is this about? Because I'm not going to die from this. I know I'm not. The finally full of yourself, the coaching Maria, that is my life's work. So this is not it. What is it? They said, it's the people you're going to meet. Every time I went in, they're like, come back for more surgery. We love you. You know, (laughs) but it's like, I'm when I hug, because you know, I hug everybody like, because this might be my last day on the planet. That's what happens when you lose a child like that. Like it happened like that. Like we're fine and we're dead. I look into your eyes and they're like, I love looking into your eyes, Candy. I love, you know, the other people that I've met here. I see their life and I, I get giddy. I can't help it because I'm alive. I get to be in this body, which is a great body. And I get to taste food and to hug people and to feel my face and the wind. I'm Come on. That's the part that we miss when we're like cranking out the yucky. <laughs> what is your mission? Because I watch you, I listen to what you just said, mm. and it feels to me like a higher calling. Sophia woke me up. I'm still discovering what that means. And I think it makes it worse when you label it. And it's more like I am open to serving in any way I can. Today, I held the door open for two burly guys and a little old lady and her son. And they were just so happy that I like held the door. So today, that was it. Today, that was my serving. And to just really be present in the holding of that door. It's the simple things that make me a great coach, that make me a great mom, that make me a great human. Uh, Doesn't mean that I don't have moments of like, you know, everyone has a room dedicated to poop in their house because there's poop in life. In this journey, it's not pretty a lot of the time. It's you can focus on the things that are full of light. Your life becomes lighter. What is the first step toward creating that shift that you talk Mm. about in your book and through your coaching? (laughs) Um, So the first step is really to stop. That's it. Stop and notice. What am I feeling right now? If people right now just stop what they're doing and just notice what does their body feel like? What parts of our body, like, is there a part that's like the pulsating? Is there a part that's numb? Is there a part that is tight? Like, do you notice, do you need water? Just stop and notice. And from there, that's how you link up to your intuition. And just for one thing, if I may say about imagination and creativity, a lot of people poo-poo, oh, use your imagination. Well, that's nice, Maria. Everyone uses their imagination. And if I said, hey, how would you like to go on this trip? Like, I'm, a, I'm doing a retreat march. How would you like to go? And people will, in their brain, imagine it and give all the reasons why or why not. What do you want to have for lunch today? 
They'll do the same thing. People are using their imagination all the time, but they're using it to keep themselves small. So my advice is trust your imagination, use your imagination, leverage your imagination, just like Olympic athletes do. Their secret to gold medal versus bronze or silver is imagination. They're using it and it's what energy needs to do. It needs to use that imagination. It's one of our tools like breathing. It's like breathing. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? When I was a little girl, probably about 12 years old, I had a really, really bad day. And when, at, the, at that age, when I had a really bad day, it was like life and death. And I went to a deli. Um, I was asking the man for ham. It was an older man. And he said, you have a beautiful smile. Don't ever lose that smile. I remember that little old man. And like sometimes when I'm feeling really low and really sad, I just remember that someone who didn't even know me reminded me to smile. It felt like it was from from a deep place, not a you have to. And I just remember gratitude. Remember the joy. The joy is the flow. And when we're in flow, then everything works. We're in, we're in stagnation. Like I call them stuck points or flow points. And that's what I wanted the book to be about. I wanted a, a human tool for what we're going through right now, a set of tools. So when you feel stuck in your life, you don't have to take an outside source to fill you because that's what we've learned to do. Take something on the outside, uh, a marriage, a child, uh, a drug, a sh- shopping, sex, whatever it is. And it's not that. It's the inside work. We all talk about it, but what does that mean? And it literally are these bite-sized pieces of flow, of noticing, of breath. Like notice your breath. A lot of times we're like, <gasps> have you taken a breath in the last two weeks? Yes. No, ma'am. <laughs> and, and and your posture shows it too. You know, people who yes. are just falling yes. into themselves at a very dark, dark moment, right after you lost Sophia, mm-hmm. you remembered an episode of Oprah and lo and behold, you end up on the Oprah show. <laughs> Tell me what that was like. For 20 years, I was telling people I was going to be on the Oprah show. And most of that time was ego. As life developed and unfolded and I started having children and all that, that kind of went by the wayside. When she said there was one year left, that's when I was like, whoa, it got activated again. Just so happened, all the serendipity, that I got asked to be in Chicago to be a godmother to my niece. Something magical happened. It's hard to describe, but they called me a week later. It just happened. At the very last, last moment they could have called me, they called me. I was actually on two different shows. The shows were the one with Beyonce, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, Maria Shriver. When we walked in, it, it was all a big secret as who was going to be there, right? We walked in and I'm like, oh, someone's playing a Madonna song. And it's Madonna singing. And I lost my cookies. I, got, I started screaming. And my husband was like, act like you belong. Act like you belong. But I'm like, oh my God, it's Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and it just kept coming. It's like, it was almost too, you know, we're going to pass out for joy. Like it was almost too big. And what was your message on the show? What did she ask you? This show was different from other shows. This show was when we were giving to her, which I thought really interesting, right? Because she's given so much to us. So it was the message that we gave to her. My message was basically just sharing my story of how in that moment of grief, in that moment of absolute chapters that you talked about, that was a chapter, like a massive cut to a different chapter. Mm -hmm. And I was completely lost. It was way above my pay grade. And that show, she helped embed a tool that helped me be able to climb back and help other people do the same thing and meet people wherever they're at. What is mother love? Mother love to me is a sacred connection. Whether they're here or not. Yeah. It's just a sacred connection. 
we all have stories to tell. And when we tell those stories, we pass along our wisdom to others and we give each other that roadmap that I was talking about mm. at the very beginning of the show. And before you know it, we've kind of empowered one another simply by sharing our stories. Mm. So, Maria, as we come to a close for this interview, at this moment and at this time in your life, what does success look like? What does it feel like? What does it mean to you? Success to me means being so full of myself that the people around me begin to be inspired by that and they light their light and they light their light and they light their light. That would be the ultimate success for me. I want to thank you so much for sharing that and for being on the story behind her success. Thank you, beautiful Candy. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?